0: and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a couple pastor scholars dig into the word of God using a seasonally appropriate scripture passage. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for all, and especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. My guest this week is Amanda Drury. A regular guest and a on the show so you're all familiar with her. She is a professor of practical theology and youth ministry and a host of other things at the School of Theology and Ministry at Inner Wesleyan University as well as the uh, director of the Imaginarium and a great speaker and a whole bunch of other great stuff. So and also my wife has a minor note at the end there. So she and I are going to be discussing Genesis chapter 28 verses 10 through 19. Genesis 28, verses 10 through 19, continuing our series of Old Testament uh, lessons this summer, and still in Genesis and in the uh, Jacob story. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already, so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening while you're listening, if you enjoy the show, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice and pass this show along to others so that they may benefit as well. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Amanda. Is that what we're doing? That's what we're doing, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, you want to miss that? I don't want to miss that.
1: Look how white Moses is in this picture. Blue eyes. Oh, my goodness. And they're, but the,
0: the the ladies are so Egyptian.
1: Yeah. So. Well, people of God have blue eyes. So. Oh, geez. Well, sad. Yeah.
0: All right. You want to, you game to read? I will read. So, Genesis 28, verses 10 through 19a. 28,
1: 10 through 19a. Hear the word of the Lord. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. The Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word, which you have granted to us. We trust that it is our daily bread, and that on this day, as we open and study, that we might be stirred deep within uh, to see and to hear uh, the word of God as it was moving then and as it's moving now. We ask this in the name of your son Jesus Christ, your incarnate word, amen. Amen. So, what grabs your attention today?
1: I don't like dreams. Oh, I don't, I shouldn't say I don't like dreams, I don't like metaphorical dreams, like the dream where Joseph is told, No, go, go, Mary, Mary, it's okay. That's fine. But this, I don't know. Like this one, uh, the the dreams that Joseph has. They, I, I never, I never get into them. I think I mentioned this before. It feels like the poems from Lord of the Rings or the songs. <laughs> I skip those too.
0: Right, the best parts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My goodness.
0: Do you skip the poetry in the Bible also, or do you like?
1: <laughs> no, because I know I'm reading poetry.
0: Well, what a. What if, what if it's no, no no I don't mean the poetic books I mean like the poetic interjections into the narratives do those also kind of you tend to speed up a little
1: uh, a little bit like Miriam's song that type of thing
0: well the previous chapter has one uh, yeah yeah <laughs> not into it
1: no and I, I don't I don't know why
0: that's interesting
1: you know I think I think because it feels like a pause in the story like I want to get uh, on with the
0: action. Okay. So it's like the exact reason why I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What was that? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. No, there's more there. Camp on it. It's fine. Because I think sometimes like, it's a mistake to imagine that the observation stage of exegesis is the purely objective moment it's, I mean, in, in many ways, it's the most subjective moment because it's just what's grabbing me. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so in some ways, your own experience of the text is part of the observation process. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. So I know I'm getting meta, but I think it's relevant for yeah. our listeners who might be studying texts and thinking, where do I go? Like the way you're reacting to the text is part of the observation stage. It's just naming that stuff. So, and there's some permission that is being given, hopefully, to our listeners just by hearing you say, I don't like the dream sequences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and also the permission for the people who are, you know, who like them. Like, cause I'm like, I love it when the story slows down.
1: <laughs> now I can, I can revisit this as an adult. And I think I do appreciate. Dreams like this more than I did when I was younger. Because looking at this now, I think, okay, why did he need need a dream for this? He already knew all this stuff anyway. It seems like, uh, does he? I mean, he's, he's he's he knows about the blessings of his father and his grandfather, and he's in that line, and the whole world's going to be blessed through this through this lineage. Uh, but
0: but so you're saying it's the same? No, I'm being facetious, but. Is it the same to hear something from your parents
1: as to see it for yourself? <laughs> well, I was about, I was oh, sorry. about to say okay. that. Yeah, yeah. So, so like I think a as a kid, to me. when I'm reading this, it's well, duh, of course, this right. is this isn't new information.
0: Yeah, it is for him though, but it is for him. And yeah.
1: and even if even if this was information that he knew completely, uh, to have that affirmation, that word, that word, uh, how boy, that would be incredibly affirming, affirming.
0: Yeah, the election of the line is so crucial here where Mm – so even if Jacob is certain of um, the Lord's blessing on his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac, even if he is certain of that, which he may not be, but even if he was, uh, whether it's going to be passed through him or his brother is an open question. And it's not a given that just because he tricked Isaac into giving him a blessing Mm -hmm. that like – I mean, how does he know if that has binding a force? God could very well appear to him and say that was, you know, yeah, that was a BS blessing. I'm going to bless your your brother. You keep running.
1: Right. Uh, And he's about to meet his brother here. No. Yeah. Esau learned that Isaac. Oh, shoot. You're right. Cut that out.
0: (laughs) No, I say leave it in. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> this is before he flees to Laban. It's on the way. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, this okay. is on the way. So I mean, there's these big encounters with God that bookend his journey his time with Laban.
1: Mhm. Did mm-hmm. you think
0: we were studying number 32,
1: well, the wrestling I'm, I'm, scene? I'm going to look at that one. No.
0: Cuz that's right before.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I knew there was something
0: But both of them before are before they met. Both of them are on a map of Israel are so if they're If they're down in Beersheba, which is about as far south as you could get. Mm -hmm. And if Laban's up, you know, north where the Hittites are way far north, right? Before you would turn east or west into either Turkey, modern day Turkey or over into Iraq and go back south. Um, that's kind of where, right? Um, so not halfway, but on the way there or back, you would go to either Bethel on one side of the Jordan or the Jabbok is on the other side of the Jordan on the way back. Coming into Edom, the northern, so so these both of these stories perfectly bookend the his what twenty so years working in Laban's house. So you got a funny look on your face. So what's that all about?
1: Because I wish that our readers could have seen your gestures. <laughs> if, if if you rewind this and listen to it again, but but imagine like the largest hand gestures, um, you know, up and downside, you would have a sense of what I'm experiencing right now. It's- I don't very think nice. Bethel
0: and Jabak were very wide. Those are <laughs> they were just here and here, weren't they? That's true. But you're right, the Hittite was like, way <laughs> I'm reaching way up high. And then with Beth Beersheba, I was like way down low. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Looks like you're line dancing. Kind or of something. overdoing it,
0: yeah. Um I'm from a long line of overreactors. Um Yeah, so I mean, this does bookend that other story. Luigi mm. and I are booked to record that oh, soon, good. actually. Okay. So we'll be doing that trip on the way back. And okay. Sarah Dirk and I already did the the story in the middle when he's at Laban's nice. and the marriage and all that. Nice.
1: Mess. Oh.
0: So yeah, we're kind of getting the front end. And then my brother and I, which would have been just last week for our listeners, um my brother and I did the birth story and, okay. and, the, and the 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 birth and the blessing. Mm-hmm, the the, mm-hmm. P- the the trading for the for the stew and all that.
1: Oh mess. that's great, 'cause you're brothers.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, no, I think it's great because it, it raises this larger her- hermeneutical and homiletical question of how to preach on a dream. Yeah. You know, because in some sense, it was interesting. You said as an adult, I connect with it. And you 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 inserted that very good insight about developmentally, how as you've gotten older, you start to realize like the notion of the personal appropriation is yeah. so key. Yeah. I was curious when you started to say that. I'm like, oh, because I mean maybe this is TMI, but I mean, you have dreams, mm-hmm. like, you have pretty vivid dreams <laughs> yeah. and they're sometimes very important for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, you're we don't fine. have to talk about that, but, uh, but at least the notion that, that a revelation would take place in a dream, yeah. even, even modern people can, can grasp to some extent that, that maybe something really deep happens in a dream. And then of course for ancients, it was just sort of somewhat taken for granted that that's of course where, the gods show up, mm-hmm. as it were, right? Yeah, that, that's yeah. a totally appropriate time for, for a some kind of manifestation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And interestingly, he doesn't take it as a metaphor. You know, he doesn't say, oh, I saw in my dream what's really true somewhere else. He refers to the place. To him, this was a concrete experience. This yeah, place yeah, is the yes. house of God. Uh-huh. This is the very gate of heaven. That's what grabbed me today, is yeah. even those names were very interesting. Which is kind of funny because, you know, it's not like uh the Lord in this particular moment doesn't declare this place is really special. This particular place where you happen to, to sleep tonight. That's sort of Jacob's response. I've been learning with studying Hebrew narratives to try to pay attention to what the characters know, not what we know. Hmm. Just kind of yeah, like extension yeah. of what you were saying. Because it just says... You know, he sees the ladder or the steps. He sees the angels of God. He sees Adonai. And then Adonai speaks. And he says the land on which you lie. Yeah. So that that does acknowledge the significance. But then it says it's going to spread out from there east to west and east and north and south.
1: Hmm.
0: And blessing all the families of the earth. Then behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. I don't think it's unimportant that he doesn't hear from God for quite a few chapters after this.
1: Mm, Yeah. And, and, and his confidence that that is the Lord is so certain here. So strong. Uh, you know, it's not a, I wonder if that was, there, there doesn't seem to be any question in his mind. And so this is, this is something, uh, concrete that, Looks like tides him over until that next word. It's it's strong enough. It's big enough that it it keeps him on the on the path.
0: Yeah. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, "Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was just you know taking a nap.
1: And he was afraid. I do like that. He was afraid. Mm-hmm. I don't like that he uses a stone for a pillow.
0: Yeah, that never made sense to me.
1: I think you'd have a stiff neck waking up. Like would it just be a one that would go behind your neck? Like a neck pillow. How do you put your head on a pillow?
0: I have no idea. So this was either like this is one of these classic cases where this is either has some sort of cultural explanation mm-hmm. or it's just a peculiarity or an oddity. I'd have to look it up.
1: Or or else <laughs> or else I
0: haven't ever looked that up.
1: Or else he's got the rock. You know, afterwards that he pours the oil on and sets up maybe someone was like, Hey, where'd you get that stone? Uh it was my pillow. Like maybe they just made that up.
0: <laughs> not sure you're supposed to say that out Probably right? not. <laughs> <laughs> where'd uh, you get that? I'm game with that. I'm totally cool with that. Uh it was my uh yeah, my pillow. Oh, my that's pillow. right. Yeah, that's where yeah, I it got was it. Pillow. My pillow. Obviously stones vary in their Like, you know, I could imagine a kind of softer stone.
1: No. No,
0: you're right. I can't. I'm trying to, but it (laughs) it didn't work after I thought it through. No, it makes no sense to me at all. At all. I love how this story begins. Just, I never caught it. It was just kind of classic Hebrew Bible vibe, right? So Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. Again, those are pretty far away. So Mm -hmm. you've got. Again, you got to try to think like if you knew nothing, right? Entering the story, or trying to know what he knows, right? And, or even what an earlier, early hearer would know, right? So his his mother earlier in the chapter had sent him off to marry a kinsman, right? So Heron again, way up north, Beersheba, way down south, and it says, and he came to a particular place. What yeah, do you have in a your certain name? place? I love that. That's I. I just I just think that's perfect.
1: What do you like about that?
0: Well. So, it's it's one of those mix of like what I, what we know going into the story, in hindsight and with headings and Mm -hmm. familiarity with the text, but then trying to bracket that out and then playing them off each other. It's kind of like this is Bet El, right? The house of God. This is an important place. It's an important place in the rest of the history of Israel, right?
1: Yeah.
0: But it's introduced as some place,
1: certain place, right?
0: Unnamed, unspecified. Right? Hmm. And somewhere between Beersheba and Haran. So in other words, the entire length of Israel. This could be <laughs> anywhere in Latter-day Israel. Yeah. Right? So you can think of a kid. You just told them this, right? They, you know He left Atlanta and was on his way to Boston. Hmm. And he stopped for the night somewhere along there. It's like, well, that could be anywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then that's really important because it culminates in the naming of the place as Bethel. Mm-hmm. And then, this is the the 19B that you didn't want to cut off, but the name of the city was Luz at the first, right? So, it could have said Luz up front. Yeah. It would have been named Luz at the time, apparently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe. That's what they're saying. Great storytelling technique, though. Leave that for the end. (laughs) He named it Bethel, having used to have been named Luz.
1: A certain place.
0: Just a certain place. Mm -hmm. It just has the mystery, right? And he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Right, it just—it's so classic, right? A certain place, staying for the night because the sun had set. Takes one of the stones of that place, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So there's this kind of connecting with the place. So the place is clearly important. The place is the star of the story.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: More than even Jacob, he keeps mm-hmm. emphasizing.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good.
0: Puts it on his head and laid down in that place to sleep. So play that that place is being repeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, is your is your translation not have that
1: uh let's see place
0: here. repetition theme?
1: It doesn't. Take him into the stones there. Machom, there's that. Machom. He put it under his head and lay down to sleep.
0: Oh heavens. So so you know ba macom ha ma Ba macom three times in one verse. Mm. Wow.
1: wow, Place, 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 place,
0: place right? Mm. Um I think it's really being emphasized that this is this particular place. That huh. place. Certain place. And he dreamed. And that's the moment we're like, oh
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought I could at least get you excited about verse eleven. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, yeah. The, build up yeah. Right, get right. the build up right. <laughs> no, the, the I mean this dream really is is mind boggling. Like I can imagine Fat, skinny cows eating fat cows, or or even grain eating each other. But but what does a staircase to heaven look like with angels, the Lord at the top of it? I mean this this just seems this is so otherworldly.
0: Yeah, well I I say we take a little break and come back and dig into the dig into the dream. <laughs> we're back welcome back to fresh text i'm here with my guest amanda drury and we are looking at genesis 28 verses 10 through 19 and uh yeah we we kind of talked about initial impressions and we did a little bit on the the kind of setup in the opening lines and now let's let's get into the weeds of this dream that you said you, you mentioned right before the break amanda that there are some other famous dreams. I'm thinking of Joseph. I'm thinking of the Daniel dreams mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you can kind of track. Uh I think, of, you know, think of Peter at yeah. you know, Simon the Tanner's yeah. house, right? These, these very...
1: Oh, I like that dream too. Yeah.
0: They're less opaque. So, so, so maybe some of it is, is you are a very, do you not like the Joseph dreams or do you like those too? Oh, I don't like those. Okay. Just, so <laughs> I love it. I love your honesty. It's so great. Um But there's clearly a... There are some interpretive openings, possibilities, problems, depending on how you, puzzles, in how to uh, picture what's being described here, as you said, right? Um, how do you imagine, well, how to add, a, so I mean, how do you see it? Like describe what you see? Like what words would you add now as we speak that tend to kind of fill out? Because it'd be fun mm. to even discover <laughs> if you and I have always pictured this scene differently.
1: I've, I've always wondered if it's a staircase or a ladder, mm-hmm. just visually. Uh, one thing I didn't notice until now, verse 12, it says, He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth mm. with its top reaching to heaven. I mean, th- that almost sounds like it started at heaven, and, and it's, just, it's just touching the earth. It's, it's mm. come from heaven. This isn't something that's been built up from the earth. It's resting on the earth. Am I, am I reading that right? Would you read it that way?
0: See that. And in dream to behold, there was a there was a ladder or staircase set up on the earth. Established. Set up. What well, do you have? Resting. Resting. Yeah, resting kind of pictures it as coming from heaven down, which works.
1: Hmm.
0: Standing, erected. Yeah, standing, standing, set up. Hmm. There's a lot of ways, okay, that you could take it. I was just doing a like a you know twenty second word study there. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of ways you could take it, but I could see the the possibilities. And it's top reached to heaven, and it's like, I get, uh, my mind always goes to the Tower of Babel.
1: I that's that what, what I'm yeah. flipping to right now. Yep,
0: but it's clear that even if even if it's fully, you know, connected down to the ground, as as a dream initiated by God, uh-huh. right? It clearly stands in contrast with Babel. It does, right? Which is them trying to erect a, a, a right? Uh,
1: Let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the whole face of the earth. Boy, that's uh, interesting because yes. God gives. <laughs> gives the name and says, you will be scattered all over the face of the earth and everyone will, will be blessed through you.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Boy, I never caught that before that the spreading then in, in chapter 11 here, they're not wanting to be scattered across. Let me come to Jacob's dream. And that's part of the, part of the blessing, part of the promise.
0: Yeah. So the little, just a quick glance on, on, on Sulam, I mean, the problem is, is this is the only time it appears in the Hebrew Bible. So that's why we don't know for sure. What, what word? The ladder or okay. staircase or you know okay. what I mean? Okay. So we're kind of relying on other usage and other contexts and the history of interpretation. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact is, is that the iconography in the Christian tradition is filled with both ladder and staircase imagery. Mm. They've both made their way into the tradition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you kind of, that creates a kind of complication yeah um it's really hard to i remember the first image i remember being drawn of it as a child i remember seeing some picture i think it might have been in our children Do we i think we have it my children's storybook from when i was a kid uh-huh not the not the the graphic novel one but like the older one the the, the, the picture th- bible for ch- yeah no no older children's for little eyes for yes. Yeah, i think in that one it's a staircase i think in that one it's a staircase i think and um but the imagery of ladder because the phrase jacob's ladder mm-hmm. is kind of this important control phrase and in more recent times have been like the imagery of the ladder of humility that appears in rule of saint benedict chapter seven this kind of famous the the, the the two sides are the body and the soul and the run, the 12 rungs and, you know like so there's a lot the the whole history of christian interpretation uh, really builds on this hmm. imagery and they do different work and you almost can't you know it, it's hard for me to decide if there's a sort of preferable because because the lang- the, the 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 vocabulary is a bit underdetermined here
1: if it's a ladder, it would have to be pretty wide. If angels are going up and down, unless they're just kind of hovering up and down, no, they're they're climbing, yeah, ascending so, and descending.
0: Well, but that could be just going up and down, right? So, like, I picture if I picture stairs, which again in that kid's Bible,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're 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 like they have like little. It's almost like a Cinderella, you know, kind of going down <laughs> the stairs, you know, yeah. But they're kind of going up and down, right? Mm-hmm. But I've also seen a picture with a ladder and they're flying on each side of it, which then invites that this ladder is for us to go up and down, which
1: which I don't think fits this
0: context. Mm -hmm. But you can see why that became important later uh, for some Christian readers. And actually, the more we talk about it, it actually just laying out those two options, that actually draws me more to the ladder because it locates – excuse me, the staircase – because it almost locates the staircase as a kind of, you know, the way you would, might ascend a set of stairs up to a throne room. Hmm. And then when yeah. you get in the throne room, maybe there'd be stairs up to a throne. Because there's clearly a kind of throne imagery. Yeah,
1: and ladder sounds like a treehouse.
0: hmm <laughs> And behold, the Lord stood. Of course, here's, here's the next problem. Interpretive problem. Which might help us get into it more. That behold or look the lord stood above it or next to him which way do you have it in your version there
1: today? above it stood the lord
0: yeah this one's another tricky one
1: why do you say that how so
0: because just looking at it all oh, i mean it's just it's so it's so because ladder is or the word here that's being translated ladder? We'll just stick with ladder or, or staircase, right? <laughs> um, or sulam, you know, is a masculine noun, and so is Jacob. Mm-hmm. So it could be that God is standing all, which is could be. Toward, before, over, against, above—I mean, you know how prepositions are in any language, including in Mm -hmm. English—they tend to—they tend to just—they move around depending on what verbs and nouns you're using. Mm -hmm. The exact meaning of a preposition is highly flexible. That's just a—that's a—that's a a truth of language. We don't notice it in our own because it's just habitual. Sure, but you can always spot a non-second—you can always spot a someone who's not fully comfortable in language yet because they're using the wrong prepositions with verbs. Yeah, it's not. It's not incorrect. Uh-huh. It's just sounds weird, uh-huh. you know? So there's a lot of convention built into the preposition use and they don't actually tell you exactly. It's the context clues that determine mm-hmm. it, but it's here. It's very hard because we don't know exactly how God relates to the, to the staircase to heaven since it only appears once. Yeah. It's like, how do you, what do you do? Right. And so he could be up at the top above them. That fits the, the throne room imagery. He could be on the ladder. Coming down it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Or he could be right there next to Jacob.
1: I don't... How do you see that?
0: Well, you can't... There's no way to do it in English to make it work. You have to choose when you're translating. Okay. You catch what I'm saying? Yeah, I see that. The word is just all... You know, all love. All love. And it means... uh, So, all... Has 5,778 uses. Okay. <laughs> so it's over, on, above, upon, <laughs> keep going, hold on, over, next to, opposite, and usually when it has the word standing, it means standing opposite. Okay? Huh. So the first time, sorry, I'm being a punk here, but I loved
1: it because oh, you, you were yeah. like,
0: you were like, Really, John? I'm like, really, oh yeah, John?
1: here it comes. Then <laughs> five thousand, really?
0: <laughs> no, I'm not saying every time it's that, but I mean the first time. Let me. I'm just doing some geek out here. I hope this is not totally do it. do it, irrelevant. But let me see. I'm trying to find the first time it's used in Genesis with the verb standing. 18, and there it's clearly not. It's not above. It's standing over, against, or opposite the person. Hmm. It's also translated... It can be translated to or and, uh, therefore, because... It's it's one of the... It's a generic preposition is what I'm trying to say. Um, if uh ladder was a neuter it, like it okay. is in English, because yeah. English doesn't have a lot of male-female objects, uh-huh. just... Uh, then we would know for sure. Hmm. But it's it says... That behold, Adonai standing. Preposition, masculine pronoun, hmm. and the masculine pronoun could be Jacob or could be the the, the staircase. So, it,
1: hmm. okay, and and, and okay. I I
0: just I want to bring that up to really push against our kind of stairway to heaven to, yeah. to that we're always thinking of like that's where we need to go, right? Um, although even then. The verbs are backwards, if that's the point. Huh. Right? Because the angels of God were ascending and descending. They're going up and back down. Yep. Right? If if, if God's up at the top, I would think that they would be coming down and back up. But they're not going, the angels aren't descending and ascending. They're ascending and descending. Hmm. They're going up and down, not down and up. Hmm. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe Hmm. you're faking those hmms. I can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just went on a tirade about all that. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) I sometimes do this to you. (laughs) Because you just did this big exhale. (sighs) Uh, Now what am I going to talk about? (laughs) That was boring.
1: (laughs) Verse 15 the Lord says, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Does that mean he's going to leave once it's done? <laughs> I mean, that, that until in there.
0: Yeah, I took it as a as a purpose, not as a final until. I will not leave you until I have done what is promised you. What I have promised you. Yeah, I guess I don't track your question. Oh, is, he say- is it a, like a threat? He's saying, once I finish it, I'm going to leave? Yeah. Well, what is what it? I mean, let's pretend that's the case. What has he promised?
1: Okay. Okay. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land.
0: No, but before that. Before that. In you and your offspring, okay. all the families of okay. the earth show.
1: Okay.
0: I mean, I, my hunch is that I would have to check, but that the rabbis would have interpreted, the, 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 the Pharisaic rabbis over against the Sadducees would have taken this as a proof text in the Genesis for the doctrine of resurrection, <laughs> right? Yeah. That God is still with him.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Right? You think of when Jesus makes that point in the bush, with the bush story of where God refers to himself as... God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Mm -hmm. Jesus Mm -hmm. is like, see, this proves resurrection. And we're like, really? Like, (laughs) right? But wouldn't this kind of fit that same logic? So he's going to be with him until he has finished the promise. Well, the promise won't be completed until thousands of years after Jacob's death or even hundreds of years in a, in a more, even the, the, the the proximate. Yeah. I mean, in some sense, this is already beginning to be fulfilled at the time of in Joseph. Uh huh. In his son Joseph mm-hmm. by the way that Egypt becomes a blessing through, during the famine to mm-hmm. a bunch of mm-hmm. nations. Even that proximate fulfillment of this promise, um, you know, is right as he's dying, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but I can see what you mean. You know, I will not leave you until I've done it. So this is why I like the picture. It's the content of the promise that, that makes me lean a little towards the less conventional Reading of the location of Adonai in the story, hmm. because the whole content of the promise is "I'm with you," right? So, the, so the notion is not that it, God came down the staircase and then goes back up, like, "Hey, I wanted to leave you a little message. See yeah. you in twenty years yeah. when we wrestle, <laughs> right?" It's mm-hmm. rather maybe comes down the staircase, or maybe even more fun. Turns out God was with him maybe the whole time <laughs> and come with him from. Beersheba, you know, um, I'm just being playful here now, but like that he's already with him, right? And he's just kind of like appears, you know, and the angels are just there to kind of, you know, see, look, I've got some angels here. But even if not, even if he came down the stairway, there's no narrative of Adonai ascending back up the staircase to leave him. There's not even a moment of closing up. It's the last line is... I will not leave you until I've done everything I've promised. Yeah. Boom. Then Jesus wakes up. Jesus. Jacob wakes up from his sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you thinking? You're on the,
1: Oh, it's a, it's a random <clears throat> something that has nothing to do with what you're talking about. And I don't think it's edifying in any way.
0: Well, it doesn't need to be edifying. It certainly doesn't need to segue. I'm used to your thoughts <laughs> not having any connection to what I just said. Other than the impression that it gives to our <laughs> listeners that you don't care what I talk about, but you know what?
1: I care about what you talk yeah. about. Do you, though? You I don't do. need
0: to. I mean, do. do you need to? Yeah,
1: I do. All right. So, I am the Lord, <laughs> the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I mean, so often after this, we hear that you're the God of Abraham, ah. Isaac, and Jacob. <clears throat> and uh, it, 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 so it was a bit jarring to read and for it to just stop there. It did make me wonder how uh, how Jacob's sons felt. You know, like they, they dropped the family tradition or something, like... They don't say, and the God the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Reuben.
0: Well, there's a reason for that, right? I mean, that's very... I mean, Jacob is the one who becomes renamed Israel. And it means all 12 are there.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, we even talk about this... Yeah, it's not... We sometimes refer to chapter 37 forward as the Joseph story, mm-hmm. but of course it actually begins at the top as the story of this, of Jacob, because <laughs> the story of huh. Jacob is the story of his son.
1: Yeah. So the,
0: we're in the Isaac story right now, not the Jacob story in, in a certain sense, because they have these headings. Huh. I, I just discussed this last week, so I won't bore our listeners with it because me and my brother talked about it, but the book of Genesis is built around. I think there are 11 or 12 of these, these headings that say, And now the generations of right, which are work obviously as a heading of a, but they're, they're headings not, but they're not always at the beginning of a list of, of, uh, um, genealogies. Hmm. Sometimes they're just the beginning of the story because the word generations is just the, the coming to bees, the, the stories It can work for stories, right? Yeah. Or the children of here's the, here's the children of, right? So there's a lot of different ways to take it. Um, so in that sense, the, it really is built around Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Um, but you're right; it's almost fitting because it's a symbol of the competition between these twelve tribes throughout the, Israel's history. Hmm. Is they're competing over who is the who is the power center within this family that is named by those triple names? Hmm. But I love what you pointed out, and it does sound wrong. Yeah, it does sound wrong. And the God
1: of Abraham and Isaac.
0: And I wanted to flip and say if, 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 see if God appears to Isaac and refers to himself as the God of Abraham. But I don't know if Isaac ever gets a kind of like private moment with God because it kind of skips a generation in terms of narrative. Given what Isaac went through, we kind of give him a little bit of, uh, of, uh, a pass in that regard. Yeah, I don't see at first glance any any story. Um, oh, yeah. No, here it is. It's 26. 26, God appears and says – here we go. This is this is 26.3, so this would be the equivalent for Isaac. Okay. Um, Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands – And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father.
1: Hmm.
0: But he doesn't introduce himself as the God of Abraham, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, So obviously these events take place before the Moses story. Yeah. But there's reason to believe that at least the the written canonical form of the Moses story is in some sense older. And that these have been shaped a lot more, you know, because Genesis is a lot. It's just real, a lot more stylized. It doesn't have some of the oddities of... Anyway, these are theories of, of composition. And the compositional history doesn't really matter
1: hmm.
0: as much as just saying that they weren't written in the same order they were took place, hmm. right? And there's every reason to believe that there is an editorial history. Sure. So all that is to say that for many hearers the 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 exodus story because of the annual passover ritual so that might be better place to start forget forget the authorial history just think of the er, the way people heard this story for a thousand years because of the repeated emphasis on the exodus narrative every year around passover everybody knows the burning bush god of abraham isaac and jacob right so it's not just our kind of you know ignorant christian ears that find that weird that would have been felt that would have felt weird it it creates an expectation a natural expectation Hmm. that god is speaking to the third party of that triplet yeah
1: that
0: that has not yet been you know but but he has nothing you know he's running penniless up north (laughs) so this promise is uh is still waiting its confirmation that it's not quote just a dream right yeah (laughs) yep Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Well, cool. Anything else you want to get in under the wire, or should we take a little break there and come back and explore some sermon starters?
1: Let's take a break and come back.
0: And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Amanda Drury, and we are... Looking at Genesis 28, verses 10 through 19. And let's explore some sermon starters. Where might you run with a text?
1: Like well, this? I think, first of all, I think I would read through verse 22. So let me just start with verse 18 here. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth." First of all, I just I just find that fascinating. His whole if uh, if 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 if, and, and yeah. it, I mean, then you'll be my God. <laughs> yeah. Once you do all this for me, then you'll be my God. But but there, I like the honesty of that though too, hmm. and the permission that that gives.
0: What permission does it give?
1: To ask God to do stuff uh, to build our trust.
0: Yeah. it's funny. I was like, I definitely thought of it as how to not respond to a revelation from God. Because there's nothing conditional in God's revelation. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good point. It would make
0: a lot sense if, and sometimes God will speak that way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you do this, I will be faithful to you. He'll Mm -hmm. talk that way sometimes, but he didn't today or the night before.
1: Well, maybe that's because Jacob is a schemer himself and he knows how you can wiggle in and out of words and you know he's making sure god's going to hold up his end of the bargain because he's a tricksy guy himself
0: that's true that's really true but also insight then into god's own character to say i'm not gonna engage in conditional language with you
1: (laughs) yeah yeah because
0: that's you're just going to complicate it
1: yep you can't mess this up
0: yeah in some ways he's he's dragging god's unconditional election into the conditional exchange of a bow. Hmm. But in another sense, or at the same time, that is just the way um this particular schemer knows how to appropriate the grace of God. Yeah. Which is almost perfectly symbolized in the tenth. You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, God says, you know, I will be with you no matter what, till I've accomplished all this for you. And how do humans respond? Oh, uh, a tenth. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like... It, I mean, and it's a symbol of giving all, but in uh-huh. another, another sense, you know, our gracious receiving and responding to divine grace is always a fraction. Hmm. And so mm-hmm. fractured. Yeah. You know?
1: Even our 100% would still be.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So I'd include that part in the sermon.
0: Yeah. So, I, Yeah. So how would it take that as a as a jumping off point? Then, if you're taking say ten through twenty two as mm-hmm. your text, um, where uh, what would kind of be the focus? My my hunch is you have an implicit or tacit sense of what the focus of the sermon would be, and that's why you would want to include those verses. Or was that a more of an exegetical point?
1: No, you're 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 right. I've got a okay. So what is it? <laughs> so... I don't know why yet though, but I keep coming back to uh to the stone, the pillow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that um you know the stone that he puts his head on, he he sets it up as a pillar, he pours oil on top of it, and it's his um it's his 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 token, his marker. Uh his look at this, I can point to this as something that it's my reminder of what happened here.
0: Yeah, this stone. This stone. You and I are both totemic people right <laughs> what
1: little, do you mean by that
0: we keep little things from places <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right
1: yeah or yeah we've
0: we've both left things other places or buried things you know what i mean sure, like
1: sure
0: maybe am i reading that into you No, you do you I have think I like that. You, yeah you had when we when you and i first uh uh we're friends, you know, you had this kicking stone. I still have it. Oh my gosh. It's it. in
1: that desk right over there. Yeah.
0: Um, and I have an empty can of corn mm-hmm. that we ate the first time we shared our feeling. I mean, we're total romantic cheese balls. So, so it's, it's, it's fitting, at least for us. And, and I think all, I mean, I, I, I'm probably using the word totemic in order to a totem to hint at the fact that there's something fundamentally human about that. Mm-hmm. Even, even if you and I are a little more excessive. <laughs> uh, and if some personalities are a little less attached to that, sure. we can all kind of, uh, recognize that, that a, a sort of a physical object that was there during a special moment. I don't know. There's that there, you're drawn to that, you know?
1: So I would actually probably go outside and look for a rock mm-hmm. and, and, and try it out. And lay on it, and and to just try to recreate some of this. I'd mm. want to pour oil on top of it and just see what that looked like. I mean, I mean, you'd probably get nothing out of that, but just in case there's something in that experience, it's so easy to do. You might as well what take five minutes and try it, see if anything comes from that.
0: That's really good sermon prep advice, though the kinetic physicality of it.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: um, and especially your advice that you're giving to our listeners. To not think like you've had you have to have the sermon all figured out and then you go and do this kind of illustrative stuff. You yeah. might go do these kinds of things that we think of as illustrations, mm-hmm. or at least geeks like me are like, "Well, that's the extraneous illustrative material that's added after you figure out what the sermon is." You know, um, but it's not true. In point of fact, hanging out with a stone <laughs> uh, and and visualizing having that physical embodied encounter
1: yeah, yeah. might
0: stir. A sense of of the heart of the sermon.
1: Yeah, boy, and and just hearing you talk is reminding me of, making me think that so many churches have their own stones already. That there are markers in their church that represent something, that that tell a story of something that took place there. Things that the whole church can be be on board with. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I mean, just playing with that, it's, this line seems to be Highly applicable. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Yeah. And that might be the kind of, uh, stones we're looking for is Mm. to kind of invite Hmm. the congregation to ask, you know, what's a surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it moment? Oh. And if you already have a stone, an object, uh from that event um you know there could be even a turn to your neighbor and share kind of moment yeah kind of say hey that could be at the beginning of the sermon actually Uh without framing it with the text you know Mm -hmm. just kind of like what's something you have from your childhood (laughs) you still have it yeah yeah you could tell us right where it where you keep it hidden in your closet or whatever Mm -hmm. what does it represent for you like that'd be a real easy like Congregational question thing. Yeah. Either in, you know, some churches do that at the beginning while they're waiting for things to start, or maybe during the sermon itself. And then, and then, you know, again, like if it was one of us preaching it, right, we could at some point tell the story of these kind of things, like the kicking stone or the, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking of the Lowry Loop here, right? That's getting a little more serious, right? And then, and then further down, and then, you know, maybe a story of losing something. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> losing a special totem, um, and and then kind of you know what what are those? Because the most important part, in a way, is is hearing the promise, not the totem, right? But at the same time, the totem can be a way of reminding us of the promise. Right? Wh-
1: what's the movie? Leonardo DiCaprio. They've got the the totem. Um. Oh, yeah. Is that
0: what they called it? In, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's Inception? that?
1: Inception. Inception. Yeah. yeah. Just this this tangible thing to, to help him know what's real. Yeah. You know, this could be a good passage uh, to to call forth testimonies or to share about uh, different things that are going on in various programmatic elements of the church. So especially that surely the presence of the Lord was in this place and and we did not know it. I mean, what a great time to be able to tell stories about the church, about things that the rest of the congregation wouldn't know, but that are really meaningful, powerful things. You know, you you get someone from the youth group sharing about this experience that uh, where the Lord showed up, but nobody else would know about it otherwise, mm. except for this place to to share.
0: Yeah, and maybe even preferably detecting the Lord's presence in unexpected kind of places mm. would fit the yeah. story because yeah. this is a guy on the run, yeah, sleeping on a rock. <laughs> you know so this isn't this isn't a visit to the temple right and seeing the glory of god this is a man on the run hmm staying at some at first glance unnamed place yeah i think the stone yeah there is something fun to do with the stone there i, I definitely precisely i know we went on on we i went on a lot of tangents about the the, st- <laughs> the stairs and the ladder and all yeah, that yeah yeah and in, this is a classic case where sometimes your sermon kind of flows out of your exegesis directly.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It should always flow out of your exegesis, but sometimes it flows in more directly, where you kind of did a lot of work and you're like, "Oh, that helps me kind of have an insight," and then I build my sermon on that. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's it's a process of illumination. Yeah, I went yeah, on this whole yeah. journey and realized, you know, that question is just so underdetermined that I've realized that visually, I don't really want to camp out on the stair or the or the ladder at least. This week, because I don't have clarity.
1: Yeah. The, the way I, I describe this to my students is it's not show and tell. It's what's behind door number three. You're not Gosh, sh- that's really good. You're not showing everything that you have, <laughs> but you know what's there and you know the door that you need to open for the congregation.
0: Wow. That's really good. You say that in your homiletics class? I do. That's fabulous <laughs> advice. Oh, that's really, really good advice. Not show and tell what's behind door number three. Yeah. And the fact that you know what's behind one and two right enhances your sense of conviction and clarity yeah so it's, does. It's, it wasn't it does. wasted time is yeah what I'm hearing you say. oh
1: yeah because so often I, I see this in my students where uh, you know they, they found that little nugget that they're so excited about or like you said they've invested so much time in something that they don't want to then just it feels like they're giving up or they've wasted time in your
0: students you've never done this
1: before. oh never no no <laughs>
0: <laughs> i have a memory of uh of like some was it on Galatians? Maybe you had a sermon. Like that. <laughs> it had like two pages of stuff.
1: That yeah, just, you that's just had right. To
0: cut. And you oh, didn't realize like Saturday night It was so relieving. That was
1: though. that was the hardest sermon I have ever written. Yeah, and I don't I don't know why it was so hard. I mean, it was it was a big setting. It was high stakes in that sense. But,
0: it, but that it, wasn't why.
1: No, and, and, <laughs> it
0: was something weird. Something and I, I'm
1: normally stuck. not working up until the last minute. No. But but that it was eleven o'clock at night. And you went and, and just said, yeah, yeah you, you got to cut this, and it was like this release, but uh, whew. oh, my heart's pounding just, it, back just, back just back thinking body. about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, I mean, I'm so guilty of that. I mean, it's it's part of why I started the the podcast because <laughs> I get to go behind all three <laughs> doors <laughs> and then tell Show my listeners now. you pick. <laughs> You pick. <laughs> you pick one. But i I've, I feel pretty strongly it's part of why we say, you know, we talk about sermon starters or Aaron and I used to talk about what's your angle, like hmm. you know, what's the focus. Yeah. Um sometimes Sophia will talk about she'll often talk about a title. Sometimes it's just a really good title for the sermon mm. kinda helps her. Mm. For me, it's usually a hook. If I can have a single line, I can build a whole sermon around one sentence. If I can find that, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so I believe pretty strongly in that focus principle, though it it's uh, it doesn't come naturally for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I I'm struck by the the dynamic of the way God speaks to Jacob. And the kinds of things that Jacob says (laughs) back to God. Yeah. And we've already talked about this a little bit, but sort of exploring a little of the contrast and not jumping to too strong of conclusions of when he, when he did it right or wrong, but just to recognize Mm. the, the, this unconditional promise.
1: Yeah, yeah, and what, and what we've got, I mean, God so God's talking about this big stuff, you know, dust all over the world, and Jacob is concerned about these um insignificant things in comparison. You know, what what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear?
0: <laughs> no reference to to bread and clothing.
1: Yeah, you're yeah. right.
0: And I think a little subtle little reminder in 21 so that I come again to my father's mm, house yeah. in peace.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. That he could actually be restored. Yes. Which interestingly is not explicitly promised by mm. God.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. It, I'm going to be with you where you go. I'm going to bring you back. Um, but reconciliation with Esau and his mother and father has it's not, not a been given. Yeah. And that's interesting as if to say, maybe, I don't know. This is maybe too. Heady for this particular moment, but could it be that, um, God's promises can be unconditional because <laughs> he's pretty careful about what he promises. Do you know what I mean? He's hmm. not promising that I'm going to fix the relationships that are beyond your power yeah. to control.
1: Yeah.
0: But, but he, he, God can control what he's going to do. He's like, I'm gonna be with you, I'm going to bless you. Hmm. Right. But the actually the the freedom, or at least I should say, the agency of Esau and his and his father, um, we'll just stick with Esau for the moment, but the freedom of Esau to respond as he chooses to is kind of left open. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't realize yeah. that till just now. I but... see that. Sorry, that's me. So
1: sound. so <laughs> Jacob's listening to God say all these dreamy things and you know okay that that's fine that's fine but what am i going to eat along yeah. the way
0: Although when you think about it it's like stick up for Jacob for a moment kind of say like i mean if you're running scared with nothing yeah and god's like hey i'm going to bring you back to this land you're going to have all these children it's like uh but i don't have any food you know <laughs> like i mean
1: Maybe he's just trying to remind God, I'm a mortal.
0: <laughs> yeah, you need to help me do this. You need to help me do this. Boy, it's funny. I think you and I are there's a little bit of an impasse. I think in our in our in our instincts and hunches about how to talk about Jacob here. Hmm. I, I think you you seem to see a slightly more fitting response than I'm inclined.
1: What well, What do you mean?
0: I just as we're talking. By adding this vow here at the end, maybe it's like we're starting the, the whole uh, episode over again, but I'm just noticing an interpretive difference. Not conflict, just mm-hmm. kind of different direction where I think you uh, you seem a little more amenable to the possibility that uh, of taking this as a kind of fitting way of responding.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I, I, and I, I see
0: the contrast of like... The introduction of these conditionals as kind of an almost an <laughs> affront to God. Yeah. That God's cool with. I mean, he sure. doesn't judge it. We that's the thing is we don't know what God thinks of this. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean I see I see Jacob here and I think he's just this young guy, barely knows what he's doing. Uh and um it's it's like Peter saying, Should we put up three shelters here? Yeah, okay. but there's kind of like like a naivete, and 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 his 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 faith is so weak. It's so little, not weak, little, little. That um, yeah,
0: yeah We are closer together in that regard. I think you're just you're just more gracious. <laughs> so I think you both. We both kind of take it as kind of this, uh, this kind of uh, this shrinking. Well, I mean, a shrinking of so
1: what God's up to. If you're God, John, yeah um and you tell your son hey we're gonna go to Florida we're gonna go on this vacation we're gonna do this and that and Sam's like okay but you got to give me food to eat you gotta make, give yeah, me clothes. To, okay. like you, oh okay Sam yeah okay yeah we'll do that buddy
0: yeah but I would get angry at him so I mean like, that's, I would get annoyed wouldn't I I mean you've been there right I'd be like why are you asking me that stuff of course we're gonna do that right like I'm not I'm not saying I'm God I'm I'm saying my own human failings as a father are coming into my God image here as we're talking. I'm serious huh. Huh. that I'm annoyed when mm. I'm offering unconditional love and the yeah. child wants to talk about the details. It's like, trust me, dang it. And mm-hmm. so I'm realizing like, yeah, my own God image needs to get uh sanctified a little bit as we no. talk here to recognize that God is so gracious that our, implicit refusal of his graciousness by turning it into a conditional hmm. arrangement he's even gracious towards that yeah. and lets us yeah. do it yeah. all right you want to do vows we can do vows yeah. i didn't need the vow but okay <laughs> yeah so i learned something about god today Please, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <At> <laughs> and myself <laughs> preaching is dangerous you know yeah. to, to expose something i mean that was that could go kind of deep for you there. That could be personal. I mean, well, it just got dark, bro. <laughs> that that hole goes down really deep. <laughs> but uh,
0: call a to This roast just got dark. <laughs> uh,
1: but but that's that's what reading the Bible should should do. Yeah, I mean, it, it exposes. Yeah, it it reveals vulnerabilities yeah. and um. Yeah. Yeah. Pulls you back to your childhood and parent. I mean move.
0: Especially when you preach on Genesis. Yeah. You know, family
1: systems yeah. and yeah.
0: And you gotta go there. If you don't go there, you're not gonna you're not gonna see it. Yeah. Oh, it just dawns on me now as we're talking, you know, going back to the text from last week. Jacob. Jacob had every reason to believe that his father's love was conditional.
1: Oh, you know? oh. Yeah,
0: on being a manly man. Yeah, and can hunt and
1: yeah, and
0: and even the fact that he had to go through all those, all that rigmarole oh. with his mom orchestrating it
1: just to be accepted to get
0: the blessing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Even oh, that's, good Even that's if that's good.
0: not, it doesn't even have to be a failing on Isaac's part. I think that is because there's some favoritism happening there. But but hmm. we don't have to get as always with family stuff. Y- getting into whose fault it is doesn't help the point is you know whatever whatever uh Isaac may have done or not done to communicate uh blessing to his son his younger son you know had to had to achieve it and yeah. acquire it through his through his scheming and so th- this is a moment it's almost, again, like little faith. I love that phrase. It's a phrase that Jesus uses when he says, oh, ye of little faith. Yep. It's, I, it's fun recently realizing that that's just a single word in Greek. It is, it's the word, oh, you've heard the word oligarchy? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's olig pistis, like small, because oligarchy is like, okay. like ruled by a few. So few, yep. little, little tiny faith, little right? Like, you've got a little tiny group of faith. But this small faith way of Jacob here. Th-
1: this This is probably reading too much into this. But you look at what Jacob had to do to be accepted by Isaac to get that blessing. It's, it's changing what he's wearing. It's, it's preparing this food and you look at what he's asking from God here. It's well, then you give me the clothing. You give me the food.
0: Yeah. It's this moment, you know, when his true father is introducing himself to him. (laughs) And so the, in, it's like a mustard seed of faith that can move mountains, right? It's, the unconditionality of God's choosing and blessing of him has been implanted in his soul. Yeah. But the the full flowering of that is gonna take decades. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And for that, you gotta stay tuned for next week. <laughs> we should wrap it up. So we're You don't have to
1: take my word for it. Yeah, I'll
0: wrap it up. Bump, bump. <laughs> well, there's a whole bunch of sermon ideas there. They're going in different directions and different possibilities. And I think your advice about uh the rock thing I think is just a great idea. I think that kind of tactile practice, you know, reminds me of you don't know, you have an exercise that you encourage your students to do of kind of taking the, the text out <laughs> on a date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
1: asking it questions, reading it in different locations. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I think th- this is the kind of sermon when you allow yourself to read it with your full self and your yeah. own family history. Yeah. You'll find the sermon. Yeah. And, and like for us to lay out a, an outline or a thesis is actually not helpful because it's just a story. Have this story interact with your story and the stories of people in your congregation and the sermon will emerge.
1: Yeah. Be, be yeah. willing to be silly, to feel embarrassed a little bit Yeah, when you're thinking through this.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Amanda, for the time you've given and thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, we appreciate you so much. And, uh, Thanks to Todd and Eric for your production work. I can't imagine doing this without you. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And with that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye bye.
1: So long.